we're back. Steve Miller, say something, Zach. Uh, you knew it. I did. <laughs> when you hear Steve Miller, do you just get happy? I told you this should be the, his. Some of his iconic hits are just so classic that they just don't. They don't sound like they came from the seventies. They just they they sound now. Here we go. Ready, ready. I love that. Will pass. Nice. I like the little clap. Oh, it's the clap. It's got a, it's got everything going on, right? Uh, we're back. Another episode. Um, I put a little teaser post out on socials today. Um, the day of the recording. Here we go. There we go. It just makes you feel. Makes you. Um, keep singing, Jared, and now keep the YouTube police off our back. Um, <laughs> put a little teaser post out today saying, hey, tonight we're recording Double D and then it blew up. Apparently, apparently, people know this guy, like this guy. Well, you guys, it, it's always been frustrating for me <clears throat> and a little jealous-inducing, jealousy-inducing, because you knew a lot of the guests that we've had before from being around, going to uh, Steamers games and going to SLU games and things like that. I didn't have that. I had a poster of Pele on my wall, and I had Daryl Duran cards. Well... So why, why have you not reached out to your poster boy? <laughs> well, because he's, he's dead. Dead. I know. Um, it's fine. I get right, it. Right. I get. It. I understand what you're saying. Rest in peace. Yeah. So I, I'm just this one. I mean, I'm excited for all the guests because once I learn more about them and and their contribution to the overall, yep, you know, scope of of soccer here, it's been great. But for me, Daryl Duran is like, he's the guy <laughs> for for me. So I'm. I've been looking forward to this for a really long time, and I'm I'm really excited that we get to. Oh, I guess I spoiled it, didn't? Uh, well, I think a bunch of listeners also. Well, the uh, listeners can read their. I know. Well, you know we usually use the name, and I I screwed it up. If this is your guy, <laughs> I would bet that the majority of our listeners, it's going to be special for them. Well, too, I can because tell this you, this is a lot of our listeners' guy. Yes. Too. When I tell other people, some of the folks we've met in the past, they're like, "Oh, that's." I'm sure he was really cool, uh, but when I mentioned. This guest, yeah, I was like, "Holy crap, really?" <laughs> so, yeah, it's 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 a big deal. I'm I, I feel like a big deal. Well, you know, it's it's been fun. You know, you, you go back. Um, you know, I want to give a quick recap of the last episode. Um, you know, we're, we're, because we're kind of purposely all over the board. You know, for those of you that have been listening and and poten- and really, this is for those of you that are new to Soccer Dad Pod. Um, we really try to com- compartmentalize this, right? You know, we, we really have oh, yeah. three, minimum of three silos, if not a fourth. I mean, but one would be uh, the, the Jeff Camerons, the Beasleys, the Pat Noonans. I mean, these guys are Mount Rushmore of soccer, period, let alone St. Louis soccer, Altrost, et cetera. And then, and then we have a lot of people that we just highly respect that had tremendous careers that are really in our backyard. And, and it builds our... Uh, kind of legitimacy within yeah, the soccer for sure. landscape. Is portfolio the right word? <clears throat> yes, that's a good word. Yeah, yeah. And, and then, the, but the third pile is really kind of like somebody sent me an email. It was really long. It was like a, a kind of a review analysis of the show, and they're like, "But the one thing I like about your show is you guys are just dads. You know, if you want to be soccer guys, there's plenty of soccer guy podcasts out there, but." 
you guys are kind of cool dads, right? And I and I thought about I think that our for kids a little. Might differ. In yeah, that no opinion. kidding. You know, no. another thing that we are is we're husbands, and you know what? I got a new shirt. It says trophy husband. Oh my god! What do you think? Did I you buy it for I yourself? I don't think Kelly bought that for you. <laughs> Which gas station out in Wright City did you buy that from? Did your dad buy that for you? <laughs> no, I didn't buy it. I just saw somebody wearing it. And I was like, I need that shirt. What'd you offer him? <laughs> it was a tank top. <laughs> if I put that on, all the girls would go running. Did you, did you trade him anything? No, I just said that guy's pretty slickster. <laughs> uh, last episode, we had Don Williams from SRUSA. Um, you know, again, kind of to the point, this is where I was going with this, you know, where we kind of compartmentalize this into, you know, we get, we got to spray the infield topics yep. wise, yep. Yep. you know, and Don came on and, you know, for any family that has a child that's playing the sport and they, if they have an inkling of playing at the next level, uh, in AIA, junior college, D3, 2, 1. It's a great episode because there's just a lot of simplistic insight and tips and tricks um, as to how to manage that process because it can be daunting. You know, we did the math. We mentioned it before. On the boys' side alone, there's over 12,000 spots if you do the math on every collegiate team, you know, ac across the country in all those divisions. Yep. Which seems like a really big number, but it's really not compared to the total number of high school players there are, right? Because yep. I think that number is 850,000. It's bigger than the one for college, yeah. Yeah, much bigger. Um, but, you know, a, a lot of info in that in that episode about, you know, here, just do this. Take well, five minutes, do X, and yeah. it will help you get to Y and Z. So and I think you, you, you talked about the, the buckets. Yep. I just wrote a couple of things down. We've got... Three main buckets, and we can dispute the titles for these, but the way I look at it is we have the historic bucket, the Altros of the world, the Dave Langs of the world. NASL. NA, yeah. Uh, I mean, is there a podcast in, in the world that's had more NASL people than us at this point? I don't think point? so. I think we have the record. Then you have <laughs> kind of the celeb side of it, which would be, to me, they're not historic, but it's the Beasleys, the Jeff Camerons um, of the world. Brad and Davis. Then the Brad Davises. And then you have the utilitarian which is realistically what Don provided, which is a, a service that can help the people that listen to this show who have kids and programs yeah, cool. who are very interested in just tactically, how do I do this? That soccer lifestyle or parent uh, yeah. page we're on. So those, I think they've kind of fallen in that category. And I'm glad that we do have kind of a diverse... And then we, I think there's some Venn diagrams that we could draw that well, it, kind of fall into all well, and three the other categories. And the, and the other angle is also kind of doing it on the side. You know, I'm cheating on you guys a little bit with uh, Jen Cease over there. Yeah, we know. Soccer Mom Sunday. <clears throat> Excuse me. So um, that's a whole other angle. You God, know? I would really freshen that show up. You would absolutely torch it like that tank top <laughs> you mentioned earlier. Um, freshen. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's not enough therapy in our marketplace for, for that. Oh, um, man. Uh, shift up gears a little bit. Uh, we need to thank those that continue to help support the show. Um, Crescent Plumbing Supply, you guys have been great. Uh, you know, again, you're in the market for a kitchen or bath. Hit them up. Showrooms are awesome. They keep you on budget. Let's just keep this simple. You tell them what your number is, and they walk you to the wall in which matches your number. Yep. And if you go to another wall, shame on you. Yeah, that's on you. Yeah. So uh, check them out. Uh, our buddies, Chris and Bill over at thepinnacleloans.com. 
uh, continuing to support. In fact, we're, we're setting up a little date. We're, we're going to bring them on because Jared has been dying, absolutely dying to question their freshman. <laughs> I can't even say it without laughing. The undefeated freshman season at CBC. So uh, thank you guys for helping out the show. And then I mentioned in the last episode, we have a new partner with us, Axis Physical Therapy. Um, they have, uh, I oh my gosh, I forgot the total number of locations. Double digit, large locations uh, around from Glen Carbon all the way out to Wentzville area. Um, and in Missouri, it's criti- it, It's a huge benefit now because in Missouri, new rule. No more, uh, you don't have to go to your primary. As of yesterday, they're at, not a 28th. yesterday, but at 28th, yeah. Yeah, no yeah. more. That's so, big time. That's huge. It's For a big, I, How I mean, awesome is that for their business? I would think it's awesome across the board for any of those types of referral base. Well, J- JP, the soccer doc, um, he was really the connection that uh, kind of reached out to us. He's got ties to the club. He's, uh, I believe, and he'll correct me if I'm wrong after he listens to this, I believe that Kip Thompson is his godfather. Oh wow, that's yeah. cool. Small world, right? The uh, old Kipster. But they, but they do a, they do a ton of uh, specific rehab training for soccer players. So yeah. any age, uh, girl or boy, etc. You got a little knock, you got a twist, you got a sprain. Axis physical therapy. Call them direct. Do they train you, egos? Uh, do, do they I, rehabilitate I egos? I asked because I was going to trade cash for hours of uh, comp time, and I was going to book you. <laughs> So, <laughs> speaking of ego, um, Let's, I, I, I want to do a commercial for Axis. You got it. Because well, you have, and Jared has, Max has, and so has Kim, and I haven't done shit. We know that. Yeah. So Okay, we'll do it. All right, thanks. We'll do that. Hey, let's get to the pinnacle points of the day. Well, I have a good one. Um, oh, you're, you're ready. No, no, I don't have to go first, but I have... I, well, no, I mean, when you when you react that way, we have to let you go first. Okay, I fine. feel like you're really prepared today, man. You got you got Venn diagrams over here. You got more <laughs> words written down than I've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, let's go. He's got, so, he's got architectural drawings of the old barn in front of him. <laughs> this is not a soccer-related point, but That's I fine. wanted to get a debate between the three of us real quick because as I was driving down Highway 109 from Manchester down to... Eureka and 44. Did you hit a deer? No, but... Did you hit a soccer mom? No, but there was a guy running. On 109? On 109. (laughs) At 4 o'clock. And so my my thought was, like, holy shit. Why, first of all? Second of all... Why is he running? Well, that's a different psychological question. (laughs) But why on 109? I, I literally thought, this guy... Does not like his life. He's ready. He's ready to cash it in. Was he running with traffic or against against? Traffic? So he can I'm driving dodge out of the 55 mile an hour two lane sure. road. Sure, yeah, because that works well. Mm-hmm. So my question is for the debate is runners and cyclists on main roads like that. Um, I'm throw it out there like that. I'm not going to put out. Well, I believe a couple of episodes back, I talked about my pet peeve as it applies to uh, the 18-wheeler variety. Mm -hmm. Yes, I know that. I I look at all of that. All of those individuals that make those decisions, including your runner, cyclists on a two-lane road, and 18-wheelers doing 62 and a 70 in the left lane, they're all dumb. Was he holding a gas can? Uh, No. Nope. I mean, was he like dialed up? He had headset in. Yeah, he was just... This is my workout. I just run on a two-lane curvy ass road. 
that, did, I he, mean, did he have short shorts on or a tank top that said uh, no best? No, what, he wasn't what, like what, a. What the tank this guy, top say? If this guy was training for a marathon, I'd worry about his health. But he was definitely not just running. Yeah, that's away he, from something. I don't want to be completely mean, but that guy needs to run by a puddle. And the car needs to go through it at the same time. I, and I agree. What is that? Shit happens, right? <laughs> yes. Then he'd be a multimillionaire. <laughs> I, 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 I don't get the thing. I mean, so I take the back roads from St. Charles County to Franklin County. Well, yes, because there do. are no main and, roads. And there, um, <laughs> well, there kind of is, but I, I do take the back roads. A nice scenic ride. There is a time of year where they have this these groups with these spotting cars and they have these cyclists. I don't know if they're running a race or what they're training, but there's about a four week period on T and TT where they're doing the same thing. And they just annoy the living daylights out of me. Yeah. What are you doing driving your 10 speed on this freaking TT? I mean, people can barely stay it's on a the freak, road. It's a free country, Jared. It you is. Know, and and, and, the and roads. they are taxpayers. With significantly smaller cars, well, they are, and that's why I wanted to bring it up because I, I, I yeah, do, no, I do get into a conundrum with it because sure, you should be able to, to ride your bike, but not, I tell you, not here when I'm in a hurry. Yeah, I know? tell you what we're gonna do real quick. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna we're gonna pause for like <clears throat> three seconds and in your car, hit pause and debate the people in your car should bicyclists <laughs> be on the road or not. Ready, go. All right, now we're back. All right, <laughs> Jared, Pinnacle Point Two of the day. What do you got, man? Mine's Vanilla, um, and I've been on this track. I, I, the weather. Um, <laughs> I my pinnacle point is: do, do we have a better period of time ahead of us in our muggy, hot, miserable Midwestern weather? To me, I know a lot of people argue for spring, but this fall and in, in the next ten weeks is about the best we have to offer. And we're in a good cycle right now, and well, I'm excited. Well, for let me barbecuing ask. for outdoor stuff for yeah, soccer watching. Let me ask you guys this. Uh, I, I deal, um, you go first, Jared. Here's the question. Uh, nighttime, midnight temperature, ideal, and 5 p.m. ideal temperature in the fall. Where do you like it? Uh, 5 p.m. in the fall, I like mid to high 70s with a little breeze. Midnight temperature, I'll take a 61. 61. Ooh, midnight for me, 45. Oh, that's no, too cold. Yeah, I like that's that. That's too cold. 5 o'clock, 65, upper 60s. That's my... Yeah, my, go to. so mine is uh, 58. We're in that window. At 5 o'clock and 58 at midnight. Just okay. keep that all year long. I mean, that would be ideal, but no. I would love that. Yeah. Move to Portland. No, it rains a lot. <laughs> I don't like that. Um, so kind of a lame pinnacle point, but I'm just, I'm excited about it. Dude, I mean, you, three of your last five have been about AccuWeather. No. Well, first of all, <laughs> yeah. you, you got you to gotta go back to last episode and you said, can we get out of Africa? <laughs> I think to be more specific, you mean sub-Saharan Africa? Yeah. Like no. desert temperatures? Is that what you meant? I, I mean, just... Because there's 65 <laughs> degree weather. Sun. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, my pinnacle point of the day, I'm, I'm going to throw a little respect to the old guard, um, uh, to, to two individuals. One, uh, I took the time yesterday to go uh, hang out with Coach Terry Mickler. Um, who's uh, who's doing some rehab, getting ready, trying to get back uh, on the sideline. Uh, it was super positive. It was a lot of fun. And obviously, we talked about soccer. Uh, imagine that. And I and the second part of this is I brought him a notebook. And, and the notebook was given to me back in March. 
as a gift, and it was, you know, the label on the notebook, because, you know, Terry takes notes, yep. was Gene Baker, Granite City High School. Oh, wow. And Coach Baker just passed away last Saturday. Um, you know, the two of them, absolute icons. And with <clears throat> Coach <sighs> passing away, you know, that's it's, he's one of the last of the true OGs. Nine state titles, uh, countless uh, collegiate players, coaches, etc. Um, I mean, he impacted thousands of players' lives. So, this one, you know, this one's this one's for you, Coach. You, uh, you, you were outside of my parents. You were arguably the most important person in my youth That's development. Awesome. Um, so he'll be missed, and there's a lot of people that are thinking about him. And, so. and you well, know, said. he falls in that the Venn diagram <clears throat> that we just talked about of historical. And utilitarian, and I recommend anyone. And I don't think I wasn't on the episode. I recommend anybody to go back and listen to yeah, that episode with Gene Baker. Yeah. Uh, it's such a cool story about what he was able to accomplish and the amount of lives he touched. And so I just, I, I yeah, it's a sad day, but bittersweet. I got number four just because of my number two lame one. After I got the lame <laughs> AccuWeather one. <laughs> Uh, yeah. My last one was actually pretty good. I'm going to follow up on last week's Pinnacle Point. Just a little follow-up, just a little real-time follow-up, which we will continue to do because we have a lot of cool things planned potentially. Yeah. Um, this week's results. Um, we talked about Missouri State winning. They move up to 18. Um, Akron blows somebody out. They are um, in the top 10. SLU moves up. They win. Well, Akron um, just beat Vermont, too, who yep. was uh, six. So these guys um, that we've talked to and talked with. In these, There's a common denominator. Yeah, You know, so college soccer season is going to be exciting. And um, I hope we have some exciting news for our listeners moving forward. But keep keep an eye out on these local programs and, and, and the games and the score lines and, and, and just the rankings, which are fun in general. Um, a lot of fun. And if you're bored, come out to Soccer Park on uh, Tuesdays and you'll get to see some great women's soccer. Yep, true. Webster, Webster University, uh, they're playing uh, Mineral Area College, the Cardinal, <laughs> tonight here hey, at Soccer Park Field One. So uh, I, ha I have a closing before we take a quick break here. I have a pinnacle point uh, of the day number five. We're just going to keep adding and here. We're going to have to um, build them for more. We're going to what? Build them for more points. Yeah, we could do that. Yeah. Uh, pinnacle point number five is on Twitter uh, under Soccer Dad Pod. We regularly, we being me, uh, take quite a few pot shots at Kansas City, their supporters, mm. um, mm -hmm. really anybody in that zip code is free game at this point in the 816 uh, and there's there's heavy women in bad barbecue there's uh, oh. <laughs> there is uh oh. there's some uh uh serious kind of uh let's just call it what it is hatred coming our way uh dismissing our pod dismissing st louis etc help us out Click, follow, send a share. Because as these numbers grow, I take screenshots. And I literally put it in their face every time. Um, Taking shots at our podcast? Oh, yeah. No, anything St. Louis. They're like, you know, losers, nerds, etc. So They don't like you, dude. <laughs> they don't know me. <laughs> oh, I'm about to name drop everybody here. So uh, give us a follow, give us a share. We'd appreciate it. Thank you, Pinnacle. Thank you, Crescent. Thank you, Access PT. We're going to take a break. Refill with Modelo's. <laughs> for our uh, for a friend out west, and uh, we'll be right back with our guest. See ya. Yo, Jared here. 
Remember the pool pandemic of 2021? I was infected. I needed my own oversized oasis in Wentzville. I needed a simple solution to pay for it. So I reached out to my favorite undefeated CBC freshman standouts, Bill and Chris, at The Pinnacle Loans. Long story short, I have my pool. It's a flipping hammer. The loan process with those guys was so simple. Even I did it. Now, every time I get in my pool to drink ice cold beer, I can thank the team over at ThePinnacleLoans.com. That's ThePinnacleLoans.com. 20 and 0 as freshmen? Really? Crescent Plumbing Supply helps save marriages. Really, as families grow, kitchen and bath needs change rapidly. Designing and choosing the right fixtures takes way more skill than just scrolling Pinterest. Staying on budget and avoiding those foreign language order sheets, that's not easy. Lucky for you, the local team at Crescent Plumbing Supply, they are experts. They can help you ditch the baby's tub for a teenage shower and upsize that kitchen sink for all those tumblers, rosé glasses, and sports water bottles. So, when you're ready for that kitchen or bath makeover, go to crescentsupply.com. That's crescentsupply.com. It's cheaper than a therapist. We're back. Zach, you like this one, huh? Yeah. Little, uh, little rock and roll. Um, we're back. Thanks for hanging on. Uh, we got our guest here with us. We have uh, a couple uh, ice cold buckets of Modelo. And what is that? What is that one over there? What is it called? It's the Modelo Oro, which yeah, is, is zero. This is the one they came out with to kind of compete with the Mic Ultra. Is it like Ultra a, it like a like Corona Light or something like it's that? It's like no. a Mic Mil- 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 Ultra. I mean, I feel like if they do a commercial, there'll be people working out in it, and then they'll go immediately to drinking this. They'll be riding a bike on 109. Or so it'll be a bunch of turds on- drinking Modelo <laughs> and hot women drinking Modelo Oro. Yes. Yeah, in spandex. <laughs> in workout gear. And then they'll end up on a, like a rooftop enjoying the night with a Modelo Aura. Laughing a lot. Mm-hmm. I love it. Um, I'm rolling us in here with a little Zeppelin, you know, because anytime we talk to a guest like the guest we have today, I, in my mind, I always go back to KC Classics. I think of that era, that genre, and just rock and roll in the car, going to the barn, going to watch games, and... Uh, Super privileged to introduce our guest today, the Mr. Daryl Duran. How you doing, Daryl? Doing great. So I guess that means I'm old. Basically, uh, well, I mean, I can remember going. I wasn't playing. It's but, just uh, a number. Just I remember number. going and not playing and doing the same thing you're saying. That's like right. I used to park and walk up and hear the crowd Friday nights. You retired last year, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, oh, 06, I believe. Oh, 05. You get the, the, the Guinness Book of World Records people just follow him around. Well, we're just going to get another out of this guy. <laughs> hey, we were talking about being excited that this is our 80th episode. Yeah, it's crazy. Daryl has over 800 plus games of professional indoor soccer. I'm feeling it. I told you earlier. That's <laughs> right does it That's feel insane. like 800 or does it feel like 2,000? It feels worse, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, sh- I should have been a little smarter. <laughs> Not done all those shots and all that kind of stuff to keep going, but uh, no, it was fun. I, I don't regret it. Well, I mean, it's one of those things, that, you know, we 
when we start these conversations, I mean, clearly we, we don't have a format. We don't right. really have an agenda. Yeah, cool. And with an individual like yourself, it's for me, I get a little bit of a question block. I don't know where to start, you know, because you've, you've got, you check so many boxes. Um, so I'm just going to ask you a simple question. Uh, for for our listeners, because there's a lot of people that probably don't know, they know kind of the headline or they know the billboard. You know, where'd you grow up? What was your club? You know, let's let's talk about some of the early years, and then we'll get into what uh, most of us are familiar. Well, with. actually, the way I got into it was because basically because of my older brothers. <clears throat> I played baseball and soccer growing up, but my brothers both played soccer. Actually, played against my oldest brother. He played for L.A. when I first started with the Steamers just one game, a couple shifts or whatever. Um, but, you know, we they, just like the old time, there's a lot of old soccer players here that started playing in the background, backyard, get the neighborhood kids, blah, blah, blah. And I started playing with my oldest brothers, which kind of helped me. First, they wouldn't let me play because I was too little. Where'd that, you grow up? South County. Um, and we had a big side yard, so it was perfect. And uh, I have an older brother, Don and Dan. They're nine and six years, uh, three years older than me. So I used to play against older people, you know, and yeah. when they let me play. And then, you know, that kind of helped me in the beginning, got me into it. And I also played baseball. My dad actually played baseball for the farm club for St. Louis Cardinals. So he was pushing me in that direction. Um, I was all right in both, but I ended up obviously going to soccer. And back then there wasn't so many select teams. Right. I was in fifth grade, and I think there was like six teams at that point. What age? What age did you go soccer specific? Uh, fifth for grade. So fifth grade. whatever that is. What is that? 13, I don't even know anymore. About 10. 11. 10, 10 yeah. 11. Which is probably about the right age, but Petch probably knows more about that than me. But <laughs> uh, So I quit that and uh, just went soccer year-round. But we didn't play all 12 months. You know, There was an all-star team or something we did in the summer. Uh, and we just kind of continued. I played with um, South County. Well, actually, Santos in the very beginning. It yeah. was, and there was Spanish Society was another big one. Uh, Pili Menendez coached Santos. I played with Mike Menendez. Uh, the son went to CBC with me. Uh, but, you know, so we were good. But I had to leave my parish team to go play there. Right. And you know, back in fifth grade, it's kind of stupid. Is You know, they didn't like that I left to go to a select team. <laughs> Your parish didn't like it? parish didn't like it. So where, where have we heard these types of arguments? Isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. So I used to get in fights at recess all the time with these guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it was crazy. And me and uh, another friend of mine left. And so we used to, have, every time recess back then, like there wasn't any teachers around. So we'd play rugby or something, and then they'd start fighting, and we'd have to fight. So- so- I mean, it was crazy. Soccer slash rugby right. slash exactly. hurling. It was, it was fun, actually. <laughs> The dumpsters were the goal. It was blacktop, and then the other side was a concrete wall. Yeah, right. you know, ki- kids, <laughs> kids today, they just don't compete, do they? <laughs> <laughs> right. It's not like that, right? So anyway, long story short, is my, my both my brothers and my dad actually went to CBC. And so my one brother, Dan, is three years older than me. My brother, Don, is nine, like I said. And Dan is a senior in high school, and Terry Mickler started coaching there. Yep. And they used to play hot sock all the time in the gym. So seventh, eighth grade, I used to go up with them in the off season at CBC. And Terry saw me play, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, he liked me. So well, Terry I was licking his chops. 
Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Terry did. He, I, he probably he probably still has that notebook that he jotted down. <laughs> Daryl Duran. Yes, you know. Yeah. He's 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 a great great guy and a great coach, and I owe a lot to him. Uh, but anyway, so I made varsity freshman year, blah blah blah, and had a good good four years. Uh, but my main reason is. I had a problem because my right toe, I got like really bad arthritis or gout in it, and playing outdoor really hurt my foot. I almost quit soccer in like, I'd say we sophomore, need to talk about junior this. year. We, yeah. we, we need to talk about this well, specifically. We had Terry on. Oh, did you? And, and, and Terry was telling us that the fields back in the day and the cleats and pounding the screw nails out of them. And he, he, the, yeah, he it, knew this. The, the cleats and, and, uh, and, and, the, and, the, and the, the playing surface your feet were pretty junked up at an early age. Yeah. And then it just baffles me that you go on to a, you know, a one year in college and then you, you, you follow it up with 30 damn near years on an indoor facility, <laughs> a sheet of AstroTurf on concrete. <laughs> I, 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 Over ice. Explain that with the feet situation. Well, because <clears throat> it was mainly my right toe. It turned into my left toe, but not as, not as bad. But when you bend your big toe... Basically, calcium was forming on the top of the bending where it bends, mm -hmm. right? So I had to get surgeries to knock the calcium off, and they put a screwdriver in there, bang it out, blah, blah, blah. I did like two of those surgeries. Yeah. It takes like three months to recover, four months. And so what the problem was, so when you when you run on soft stuff mm -hmm. and it forces that toe to bend, that's where you uh, get the inflammation. Okay. Now, a hard surface... I can go a little bit on my outside of my feet more mm -hmm. and not bend as much. Okay. But then I went into two years where I broke my fifth metatarsal, which is out on the baby toe in the middle. So too much six torque months on that in side. A, yeah. yeah, too much torque on that side. So somehow I built up some muscles in my calf that I just figured out a way to do it. Now, there's still times, you know, that that always hurt a lot. I, always so I, I take that. shots I mean, in the toe. I mean, Did you like, always wonder that? That's like Darwinism in real time. Like His body <laughs> is morphing to adapt to the game. How does he play four years in high school, and Terry Mickler knows that he has feet problems, and he goes to star at SLU, and then we'll get into all this, and then his long indoor career. Because Terry thinking, is... How, how do you have feet problems at 16 to 18, and then you have a 27-year indoor career? That just you blows my it, fucking mind. You, you can, you can you tell that that's really blowing Jared's mind right <laughs> yeah, now? Yeah, it is right now. Well, actually, Bill Draghi had a, he was a chiropractor right by CBC. Yeah. So I would go down to him, and he would uh, treat my toe all the time. And it did help. I mean, you know, you put your foot in the electrodes and all that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. But I'd always make sure i do it on a Monday because Terry would always have us run a two-mile run every Monday, and I'd say, I have to go see Bill. <laughs> I hated that two-mile run every friggin' Monday. That's awesome. uh, but it worked out. But Terry was was helping me. Well, a quick comment on uh, Terry and CBC and yourself, because, you know, we did have him on, and, and he's he regularly uh, texts us after episodes, and he's helped connect a few uh, uh, guests as well. And we asked him, I believe, on that episode, mm -hmm. talking about the long line of players, et cetera, and um, bottom line, Terry, who's your favorite player of all the years? He's like, uh, these five, but Daryl. Daryl was well, the... He didn't necessarily say favorite. Yeah. He said favorite, but then, and then in quotations behind it, question mark. But there's a lot of the best, players. the best. Yeah, no, he, he, he well, he was, uh, you know, he was, he was very honest about it. And, you know, and it's, I, I was, because when you, when you look at CBC in particular and you look at Terry and you look at all the bodies and the people that he's influenced and touched that are still, you know, relevant in the game, you know, he, he, he didn't, he didn't wait long. He knew, he knew his answer. So that, you know, kudos to you because that, that says a lot. I just saw him a month ago. I, Mike Jordan, who's 
president, I still think, at CBC, a good friend of mine, told me Terry was in the hospital. Mm-hmm. So I went and I'm seeing him about a month ago. And I'm sitting there calling. There's players calling them all left and right while I was even there because I had to go get an MRI on my shoulder. So, yeah, yeah, yeah there you go. I went by there yesterday. Uh, I, I could have talked to him for five hours, but I had about an hour. But, <laughs> no, he's, he's such a great guy. And, uh, I mean, he's, he's the best coach in high school, period across the country so yeah his body uh, of work proves that yeah well let's let's shift into um your your college experience because you 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 made your way not too far away straight down 40 there uh and you landed at SLU talk about that transition talk about SLU at that time um you know why SLU because you you had options you had a lot of options probably coming your way what was it about SLU at that time and um you know that decision well i grew up watching all the local guys that we all talk about draggy taikio all that and uh slew is where i was going to go no matter what i wasn't going to go out of town it's funny all these guys say that from that era yeah isn't it amazing if they call that's where you go but why wouldn't you i I get it why i mean why do you want to be a well it'd be like i'd like to go away the bronx playing baseball like no i think i'm gonna go to the yankees yeah i'm gonna go the the yankees are calling me i'm gonna go to the yankees (laughs) yeah yeah so anyway, long story short is um, at that time, uh, I was getting some feelers for Tampa Bay Rowdies, Perry Vanderbeck. Sure. You guys yep. know. You know, he was playing for, for them, and um, I got drafted by them. So I went out and, and, and seen him, and um, I, wanted to, I wanted to go pro. I mean, I, I came down, like I said earlier, man, I, to hear the steamers and all that Friday nights. You can't park anywhere walking down. And looking out there, I said, I want to play. I want to see, you know, I want to play here. Yeah. Um, so, and at that point, the outdoor was the NASL. Didn't really like the MISL. Right. <laughs> so I go out to Tampa, and they were going to offer me uh, a minimum wage thing, which isn't bad. I think back then, shit, it was twenty five hundred. You know, which I, now I don't know what it is. I'm sure it's way higher now. Obviously, <laughs> a little um, bit, just yeah. a little bit. And it was only the, during the season. So, and I had, and then I was on the national team that freshman year and I didn't redshirt. So, you know, uh, Harry Keough, uh, Val, um, I was the only player on the national team that didn't want a redshirt. So I only played six games for my freshman year. Right. So I played like three, then I left for like a month to go to the CONCACAF in Australia. Uh, came back and played three more. We lost in the playoffs. I and mean, we had a great team too. Mm-hmm. It kind of was a, bad, a tough decision for me to make. My brother Dan was a senior, but uh, he wasn't playing that much. I was obviously playing, and they had Johnny Hayes, Bill McCune. You know, what I mean, uh, we had Fred Fredrickson, great, great team. Well, one of, one of my own six two zero four zero brethren, he was on that team, and he talked about <clears throat> playing with you because you guys were getting into skills challenges. David Fernandez. Oh yeah, yeah. and he was oh, yeah. like, man, Daryl was just. He was an ace. David well, could you... juggle a ball on his head forever. He was like Miguel Delina. I mean, it was crazy. Uh, but yeah, you know, he had great skill and stuff. You know, it, that's mutual with him. He was he's a good dude. Well, he he brought up in the Gene Baker episode, I believe, mm-hmm. your camaraderie in that one year you played. Dave Fernandez was asked a similar question to Terry, and it was Gene Baker and Dave Fernandez, and and uh, rest My, in peace for Gene Baker. But yep. we JB asked. The same kind of question about the, the best player, and and it came up again that <laughs> it was Daryl Duran. And yeah. you heard that I, I at least three or four times from different guests across 
different spectrums oh, cool. that have, right. have brought you up in that that pantheon of, of, of great players. Yeah, and if you would listen to our show, you would hear that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to Google your other ones. I'm going to listen to them, I promise. <laughs> so so let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about the time frame there because this, I, this really intrigues me, the state of U.S. soccer in general mm-hmm. during that time frame. Um, you know, because you said it, NASL didn't like MISL. Indoor soccer was really kind of uniquely American. NASL is dying on the vine, as you say. You know, and a lot of the players, you know, that, um, you know, you grow up playing 11 v 11, you're outside. You you want to be on the grass, you want to be in the stadiums, you know, and indoor starting to really pick up steam. And, you know, and, and as a kid going to Oakland Avenue and, you know, and seeing that draw, did you ever have any like apprehension or frustration or question in regards to which path? Because you were you were you were operating in a time in which you had a choice, you know, and you cho- right. you chose the one path. Was there ever any debate? No, basically, uh, like I didn't know at the time that I picked the right one. I think I picked the right one because the NSL was going down. Actually, three or four NSL teams joined the MISL after the mm-hmm. NSL folded. Yep. So I obviously made the right decision there. Uh, I think they were going the wrong direction with a lot of the foreign players and the American players and all that kind of stuff. And obviously attendance. Pele obviously did a lot for it. Did your feet have anything to do with it? Playing well, surface? yeah. I mean, I think the main reason I went indoor was, number one, I'd rather stay at home. And then the indoor, believe it or not, the hard floor. I mean, I, I don't know if okay. I could have lasted outdoor. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because yeah. of the forces Absolutely. and and all that. So that was a big question. So and plus I I played because St. Louis had so many like just for kicks started opening up way before like a couple years before all that. So I used to play indoor a lot more, you know, because that was a thing to do. Yep. Uh, when in the winter hit. Yep. Yep. Uh, so I played a lot. So I, I almost had a not a little bit of advantage, but I mean I just liked to play. So I went and played at all the indoor places. But it is a fun game to play. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's quicker. Just, you don't yeah. you know, freeze your butt off in the sun in the winter, and like, just, like we played four or five inches, and now it gets a hundred degrees. I got to quit. Yeah, it's like, what's going on around here. I don't get it. <laughs> to me, it's but, just interesting for you know the greats of our game. You know, from even before you, and then somewhat after you, um, have kind of in that time frame. Um, have given you the highest of high compliments of saying that you were maybe one of the strongest, if not the strongest player that they've ever played with. And because of the state of our game at the time, um, not having that marquee outdoor venue for you to go in and, and, and your feet and your issue aside on that end of things, it, it, it's it, I, it would have been interesting to see how far you could have went in our domestic outdoor game if, in fact, it was the bright lights like it is right. now. Well, actually, Miguel DeLima, <clears throat> after the draft, Tampa Bay drafted me, but then there was, at that point, there was a offset draft or something like a different draft in the Cosmos. Miguel DeLima was part of the Cosmos. Mm-hmm. They drafted me in a supplementary draft or something, and they wanted me to go overseas and all that. And by that time, I already made my mind up, Yeah, uh, which I still think, I mean, that would be an interesting thing to do, but I still think I made the right decision at that point just because of my feet. You know what I mean? If I didn't have that toe issue and all that, 
I mean, maybe I would have thought differently. But. The good thing, no regrets, you know? I mean, because I think, you know, with, with uh, you asked the question to uh, Mr. Don Ebert. Yeah. Um, he, I don't think like regrets Don was could the have right went word. outdoor. I mean, he was unbelievable. Yeah, I, I, I don't think. I remember watching all these guys, seriously, and I ended up playing with him. It was great. So, so those early days when you did step on the field and you're wearing that powder blue and, you know, and having, you know, being a St. Louis kid um, and loving the game. And, and now you walk in there. What was that? What was that first game? Like, what was that first experience in the crowd? And you it's kind you, of a funny thing because uh, Al was the coach that drafted me. <clears throat> and at that point, you know, it's, it was so totally different when I was, you know, later steamers and, ambush and all that where like back then you didn't get many shifts a game like and which is fine it, it makes sense because you had all these great players ahead of you so you might get one shift a game or two shifts a game and al my wow. first game was in memphis and i know <laughs> fetching these guys so so i i get thrown in very late in the quarter and it's a close game uh, you know i think stan stamankovich scored the winning goal so and I'm at the point of the defensive power play. This is when I get thrown in just because I can maybe run or do whatever because I'm rested, right, because I didn't play much. And Stan does, does his normal thing behind his foot, makes an idiot out of me, and passed it far post, guy scores a goal, it was a winner, all right? So I come in the locker room, and I'm like, I'm depressed as heck, right? And I sit down, and I'm sitting next to Patch and Carl, Carl starts smoking a cigarette. They get the beers out, and, and they hand me a beer, and I'm like, God dang, we just lost a game. And we're talking about the game. And then in comes Stan. It was his birthday. And he's giving cigars to everybody, and we're, we're having beers and cigars with a guy that just beat us. And I'm, I'm like, this is kind of fun. You know what I mean? That's when like, you made the right decision. I felt bad, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's it like, turned out all right. You're like, I chose wisely. Yeah, what would I be doing in Germany or whatever? This, this is great. But well, no, that's it, it was kind of a crazy, it's different era back then, and which is all fine. And then uh, Dave Clemens came in, and that's that's a whole other story. But, you know, every coach is different, and every era is different. But So let me ask you about the early, the, the early team, because, you know, the names that you've been mentioning already and kind of the pedigree that it was, it was a stacked team. It was a stacked right. roster. Um, did, did you ever have a moment where you're like at a, at a young age, did, did pride really kick in and be like, man, I'm, I'm part of the club. I am, I'm now one of those names, you know, because at the time we, and we've talked about this before, steamers were out, you know, performing the blues. I mean, it was the highest ticket, wide, in, yeah. you know, so how how are you able to at the at the early ages kind of manage that enthusiasm or your own personal expectations, and and find a way to grind twenty seven years into you know the future? What happened in the early years that helped you continue to progress? I think it was uh, when Al Trost got let go and Dave Clements took over. Because um, I remember I got drafted, Al got. Fired not too long after my first game. I think it was like January, and Dave came in. And the first thing Dave, after our first practice or whatever, he kind of had a talk. He goes, we need to win now. I don't have time for guys like young Duran to come around. And here I just forfeited my college career, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. 
So I'm like, holy crap. So I, I go in the shower, and Eve's is next to me, and he starts laughing. He goes, how was your decision now? <laughs> you know, and I'm like, son of a gun. You know? Well, so, it, it kind of an aha, aha moment, JB kept referencing early years. And I got to thinking, so you're CBC, you go one year at college, you get drafted. So you're 18, 19 years old playing for this Man, uh, for, for for this indoor team, <clears throat> and I'd imagine all these guys you're referencing are of adult age. What are you doing after the games? And and are they just are they are they putting you under uh, under your under their they shirt? They just took to care of me <laughs> after a while. So they, <laughs> I mean, I had my first beer I think in Memphis, right? Um, no, but you know it was it was totally different. I wasn't expecting things like that, but it was right up my alley. I mean, I had fun. And uh, it was something like I think these guys kind of took care of me a lot of times early on, uh, helped me out. Um, but they're also mentors. I mean, on the field and all that kind of. So stuff. let me ask: so, When you get that note <laughs> out loud from your new coach, yeah, and you 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 in your mind let the the game winning goal in your first game, yeah. How did you translate that into getting up the next day? And going out and proving yourself because that's not something most people do. I think it was more when Dave took over and when he said that, um, kind of motivated me. And uh, and that and it was kind of near the end of the year, and I already had a contract, so I worked really hard in that off season. Uh, I think Ian Anderson was one of the players that played ahead of me in the midfield, um, and I think he was let go, and it gave me an opportunity to play. And I had a pretty good preseason, and I just got a, not a starting job, but like one of the first two lines. And from that year, it kind of it just kind of went my way. But it was a lot of worries in that off season, sure. whether I could do it. And uh, you know, just kind of worked hard at it. And you know, we just had a good season that year. Also, we had a really good team. For uh, our listeners. You talked about the starting job. You talked about the first, second, or third line, or when you first got in, you got one or two shifts. Break down the game in that era. Um, it was quarters, right? It was four quarters. Four quarters yeah. And so, how many lines? And then, you know, in that first year, snapshot of you got one or two lines. Um, and then you got to the first or second, or second or third line. What were the starters playing? Were they playing, you know, break down the minutes a little bit in they that would, era. They would alternate. So you had you rotated two people at each position. Okay. Um, and sometimes they would rotate five defenders, which okay. I did later in the 90s, mm -hmm. just because you want a little more rest in the back. Uh, but it was two, and then if they felt they needed a, a breather, they'd throw in a, a third line maybe <clears throat> once a quarter. Then there's power so, play, so you have a top power, power play line, So then other guys kills, would, yeah. like some guys would play both power plays or whatever, mm -hmm. so they might need a rest. So as it kind of went, you should get maybe two, three, maybe four shifts, a half maybe, you know, as it was going on. Dave was, I think he was a little bit different. He just wanted two, and you'd have to sit on the bench and couldn't get up, you know what I mean? It was kind of crazy. A little bit, it's getting into the rhythm too of the game, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, so, it was. Uh, yeah, you get you can't let guys sit for ten minutes, you know, and then throw them out there and run around for minutes straight, full speed. So you're not you're not going to catch up. So I think as as they figured it out, you want to throw people in there like every other shift, give somebody a rest, and, and you know the players that need a rest sometimes. Okay. So, so let me let me Reading ask you the this: game. <clears throat> early on, you know, because we've I mean we've been lucky enough to have a lot of these players on the show. 
um, you as really the puppy and, and you're clearly earning your keep. You, you, you just mentioned you had the contract, you, you know, you're coming out of that off season, you're prepared. Um, were there other players on those squads that just stand out to you as far as like a North star or that just impressed you as a player or helped you in your own development? You know, who, who, who was kind of that co-pilot that helped you in those early years advance? You talking about on the steamers or anywhere? Uh, either place, really, anywhere. Well, I just look at the steamers. Number one, I liked how Ebert took the ball off the boards. Uh, you know, I learned a lot. I always used to watch players and what they did best. Mm-hmm. And Tony Glavin, he used to shoot from crazy angles, but, you know, he'd make it and he'd always shoot low. Not that that was the best, but he just seemed to do it. So I kind of looked at that. But the way Ebes used his body around the defender, uh, even Mark Moser, when he played with me in the storm, like he would even do more. He'd pull the guy in the back. The rest would never see him, and he'd twist the guy. You know what I mean? He had I shin mean, guards on yeah. his calves. Come on, Mark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Mu- muscles and mullets, right? Yeah. Wasn't that, that was Moser? <laughs> Adi Coker on San Diego used to play show for the ball really well. Mm-hmm. I don't think he could do anything coming at you, but he was just a good target, and he was a little guy, but he would show great. Oh, well, Stan was a whole different thing. Zungle knew the boards, I think, better than anybody in the early years, I think. What about Tattoo? Tattoo was tough on the boards. He would do an Ebert thing and just do it quicker, like he's so built low to the ground. Yeah. Now, that was only one player, and I'm not bragging, but I could mark him. <laughs> Fernando Clavijo could not mark him because he would bulldozer Fernando. And Fernando was great, great defender. He's faster than heck. I mean, but Tattoo took Fernando a lot of times. We're going to get into this later on. Did that have anything to do with the weights? Well, just a little bit. But, <laughs> but, but he was built low to the ground. Like, I couldn't mark a big guy, big, tall guy. Uh, who was a guy in L.A.? He was just huge. And, he, like, for some reason, I couldn't do, you know, do great on a guy like that. I could handle, you know, the other type guys. But, I mean, everybody's different. So so let's let's jump up into the the uh, chronological order here a little bit. Getting into the uh, ninety four World Cup time nineties early nineties. You know we all know that the World Cup's coming our way. We know that it's going to be a massive boost to soccer in the states. You know indoor. Uh, you know there's there's a revolving door of indoor teams. You know in the league bankruptcy et cetera and you know constant rotation. You, you know, you're, you're knee deep into it and you see the World Cup coming down the pipe. You know, the conversations that are occurring in regards to it's a, it's a jump off for MLS, which is going to be the, you know, the new outdoor pro league, right? Um, where, where's your head at that point, uh, from a play, because you're, you're playing, you're playing well, you know, that there's more opportunities potentially coming down the pipe. What, what was going on in your head during that 92 to 95 span, you know, going over the World Cup, knowing here's a new league. Did you consider taking a shot at it or were you? Uh, actually, at, the, at that time, because, you know, I knew I played with Gansler, Coach Gansler and, mm-hmm. and Chiswicks. Um, mm-hmm. And there was that rift going between the two, but they, they had a tryout. And uh, me, Tony Ballinger, Dave Bersick, and I think Tim Schultz went and it was like a tryout period and neither Gansler or Chiswick's was there and I forget where we went I think it was Virginia somewhere or something and we played for two days scrimmages just practiced or whatever 
and they were going to come to our rooms and tell us if we made it or not. And I thought I did okay. You know what I mean? Dave Bursick struggled just because of the, the – Goldie situation is totally different than indoor. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I mean? And he hasn't played outdoor in a while. Uh, Tony did all right, and Tim Schultz did all right, and they came in and said, oh, we can't have you. So, you know, that was the first time I really got cut from anything. And I don't know if it was more political or they just going through the motions, you know, with the indoor and the outdoor. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think a year later the outdoor kind of went out. And that's when they joined our league. But it was for the national team. So I was I was kind of devastated. But like I said before, I'm thinking even if I do go, can I can I last with my foot? Mm-hmm. So that was uh, – I came home and said, no, I got cut. And it was like, oh, well, that's fine. But I mean – Well, I mean, you kept on playing another – what is that? Uh, well, Fourteen years. Whatever. <laughs> I mean, it's not as if it really slowed you down. It was. It yeah, I mean, I, I would have loved to, to try it again. You know what I mean? It's not like I never played outdoor, but you know, like I said, it's just something that I don't know how long I could have left. Well, for my generation of of kids watching, and you you, you reference being feeling old because we talked about when we were kids watching you. Yeah, you're not that much older than us, actually, but. For me, growing up out in the sticks of Washington, which is really not the sticks, but it was back then. It was not. It's the sticks. Fernando Hernandez is from. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, there was Pele and Daryl Duran. (laughs) I'm not joking. (laughs) That was my childhood soccer memory because we didn't have English Premier League. We didn't have. Right. And I was a little young for the steamers to be really a big thing for me. And so for the ambush, the storm steamers again um so thinking about those times and 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 then putting it in a retrospective lens did you think you'd get to that point to where in the 1982 season you start off you let the one goal go through and all that fun stuff with your coach did you think yeah i want to keep doing this and i'm going to become kind of a superstar within st louis soccer or was it just i'm just going to keep plugging along and see how this thing works out well, I was worried about the next year after that. You know yeah. what I mean? So that's when that one off season helped me. Uh, once I got going there and I kind of thought I'd be a regular, you know, then I just wanted to win a championship. And we got to the championship. Well, we lost in Wichita, and I think in 82, 83, or 83, yep. 84. The Wings were, were, was that the wings. rivalry? Was, were the Wings the rivalry for a oh, while? yeah. Or the Arrows or the. Wings and yeah. Arrows. Well, Arrows was before me. Patch knows all about that. <laughs> and, and I watched those games when they were here. Um, and I think Jungle kind of beat Slobo on that one, which was always <laughs> the last second. But, um, but yeah, it was the Arrows. And then I thought it was the Wings more yeah. uh, when I started. Um, it was Cleveland more with the ambush that mm-hmm. was our rival in KC. Yep. Um, but yeah, then we lost in '83, '84. We lost to Baltimore in the final. We won the first game and lost friggin' four in a row. Um, that was one that I think, you know, we could have maybe won, but you know, it, it wasn't. And then I think at the, after that we lost, or we didn't make the last two years. But you know, that's a whole different story. Well, I know we're gonna get to '95 at some point because that's a big, a big year. Uh, oh yeah. After the yes. break. But we have priorities. We do. We're, this is 
our sounds, bucket, our bucket, our bucket is empty. empty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I'm starting to wonder no. about that. Well, <laughs> no, no, I'm we, starting to worry. No, no, we, we're going to go we across are, to the grocery store and get a <laughs> shopping cart full of beer. We are, <laughs> I'll go get. We it. are made way more pro than that, Daryl. We we are, we're going to take a quick break here. Uh, we're having a little conversation with the Daryl Duran. Um, we'll be right back. We're going to get some uh, refills and more soccer on the flip side. Zach here. I love my kids, really. And when my kids have a knock, a sprain, a tweak, I like to get them back to 100% as soon as possible. But I also hate deductibles. I get it. Now, however, in Missouri, I don't have to waste an unnecessary copay after my child rolls her ankle, it turns black and blue, and clearly needs some rehab because now I can go straight to a PT. No more pediatric visit in a germ-infested lobby waiting for the nurse practitioner to tell me what I already know and give me permission to go to a physical therapist. Axis Physical Therapy has 19 locations from Glen Carbon to Winsville and specializes in rehab, especially soccer rehab. So instead of burning a couple needless hours and cash going to get a referral, take that bump, that bruise, straight to Axis. Go to AxisPT.com for more info and feel free to Venmo me your half the savings. I'm Max and I'm nine years old. When I'm not playing soccer, jumping on a trampoline, or playing Xbox, with permission of course, I listen to the Baked In Podcast with Josh Allen. Josh talks to some of the most incredible business leaders in St. Louis. From Maxine Clark of Build-A-Bear to Gerard Kraft, the chief flavor officer for my favorite team, St. Louis City SC. There's something for everyone. If you are interested in the secret sauce of success, check out the Baked In Podcast. Now, back to those old guys. This, I forgot about this is my other pinnacle point. The Wonder Years? Oh my god. That's not the Wonder Years. Yes, it is. This is the theme song for the Wonder Years. No, it's show. not. No, it's not. No. That's, that's get, get by with a little help of my friends. Yeah. That's uh, Joe Cocker. Wait, it's an hour from now. I'm about ready to go to sleep. <laughs> I mean, this will put me to sleep in you, an hour. This is, this is in honor of Bob Barker. Oh, there you go. Oh. His greatest film moment ever. Happy Gilmore. Madison. Happy Gilmore. You know Madison. he got he got married in St. Louis, and he's a huge St. Louis Cardinals fan, or was a St. Louis Cardinals. Fan. He went to Jury University. How about hey, that? Really? Springfield. Yeah. Know that. Bob Barker did. Yep. Yep. Price is wrong, bitch. <laughs> you can get the closest to one hundred without going over. Ninety nine. Bob Barker. <laughs> All right, we are back. Um, got some uh, fresh Modellos opened up here. Um, how are you guys doing? Having fun yet? Uh, this has been great. Daryl, you having yeah, fun? Yeah, I'm having fun. You done nice. with this? Yeah, it's cool. Yep. Yeah. You going to start listening from now on? Yeah. Well, I <laughs> go back and listen to Ebert and all that. I want to see what he has to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Double check him. Yeah. Listen Fact to check. Moser. You were the coach, so you have uh, to... Yeah, I don't know about Moses. You, you need to listen to that. Fact check his. Uh-oh. 
well, why don't why don't we do that? Why don't we why don't we jump into uh, let's jump into some of the 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 crossover duties because obviously we've been talking about your playing career, um, but it's a pretty well known fact within our circles in the soccer community here. Um, you spent a lot of those years as player coach, um, just out of the gate coming from an environment where you had coaches, you know, like from a youth standpoint, you know, with the, Terry Mickler and then moving up through your, uh, at, so who, who's your coach at SLU, by the way? Harry. Okay. Harry so you had Harry yeah. and then early in the steamers, you got guys like Al Trost, et cetera. McBride, yeah. you know, all these guys. And then you make that transition where the opportunity presents itself. Um, you know, the organization, I'm assuming, you know, there's a conversation that has to be had in order to even broach that subject. How did, how did that play out? You know, and did you have interest in coaching as a player, you know, prior to them talking to you? And, you know, what, what did that look like? Well, I mean, when my late 20s, I just thought <clears throat> I was kind of starting to learn the game. And, and you got to realize in MISL throughout the whole years, they're not like a normal league. They kind of change rules as they go. Um, so when I was playing with the ambush and I ended up being the head coach, um, I had Gary Heal on the team prior, and he's a, he's an older guy. He played with Tacoma Stars, and mm-hmm. I said, "Man, all of a sudden I'm head coach." And, and he goes, "Hey, just do what you want to do, and people will have to do it. Just I think you got it." Blah 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 blah. So you know, I had to, I had to do some because I knew the team at the time, um, and a lot of players were players tim walters Mm -hmm. things like this and uh i had to cut them and you know and i never cut anybody in my life right right and not to mention he's a great friend of mine right so and then i had to have tryouts i had to do all that and and cut people i had like foreign players that abe brought in blah 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 that you know had families and all this and you know i'd just say hey you're not going to make it, and they're crying. You know what I mean? It's just like a whole different story at me. You know, I, I was – it was very hectic in the very beginning. But bottom line is, I mean, I knew a lot of the players. We were friends, obviously, number one. But then I had to be the head guy, and, you know, and they kind of listened to me, you know, blah, 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 and helped me out a lot. I mean, right. I go through with, you know, Maurer, Reiniger, Moser, guys that I've been playing with for a while, and, what do you think of this player on the side and see, you know, see what they think. And they would just help me out throughout my early years. And it it was great. So it was a big, big change. And then in dealing with Abe Watma, I just went to dinner with Abe last, last week. He's such a great guy. Um, Showed me his new house, his shrine of the ambush. And, you know, and I, I, I go back with him like every, and I really didn't say this, but when I left the ambush, Part of the reason was uh, every summer we didn't win the championship. So, or every year, you know, in the summer I'd be wondering if I'm going to got a job or not. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, so even after we won it, um, you know, then we obviously didn't win it since then. And we were, we're, we lost in the semifinals and the finals and all that. And I just kind of thought it was time to, to switch. And there was a whole other story there. But, um, the ambush to me was was great, but what they would do every year is change change rules, right? Uh, you know, we used to do set pieces and all this, switch people whenever in the right spot. The next year, you couldn't change. You know what I mean? 
after we won it. So, I got a question specifically about the rule changes. So in that in that championship season, when you guys are away in game four, you guys sweep. Everybody knows the story. You're down 11-2 at half. How how much of the rule changes when in that era when there was two-pointers and three-pointers, do you come back in that game without two-pointers and three-pointers? No. 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 And uh, but, and this is no knock Bill Cowie. Bill Cowie was one of the best goalies, backup goalies ever. And I didn't play him in the beginning. I played Bill over Jamie for mm-hmm. that game. Mm-hmm. And – I think we scored a goal late in the first half. It was 11 to 2. Okay. And, uh, you know, and Abe and I were talking like, you know, do we want to win it at home? Blah, blah, blah. Hell no. We right. want to win it right, right. now, right. Abe. And at halftime, I was so mad and Abe was mad. I said, we're going we're gonna to try and win it right now. So I switched Swanner and all that and Billy. And it would just happened. I mean, Swanner had a great arm, blah, blah, blah. He's a great goalie. And Moser hit a three-pointer right off the bat, like, in the second half. We got a chip in the chair. Yeah. And then Hundelt hit another three-pointer from out wide. You know what I mean? Way out. And then we we scored. So we were right in it. And we were right there. So, and it just so happened it was, I mean, there was a lot of luck involved. But I was just talking to Abe at dinner and, like, we're like, because we came home that that Tuesday or Monday, whatever it was, we were going to play Wednesday you know, if we lost mm-hmm. at home, three guys got sick, like not because of alcohol, but they got the flu. <laughs> Bauer was out, Hundell was out, and another player was out. I don't know if it was Moser or somebody else. Like we could have not have won. Wait, 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 I mean? wait, wait. Moser was one of the three. I think so. Then it definitely was alcohol. <laughs> it was trash can and beer. <laughs> it was ice bath trash can. I'm just trying beer. to be nice. No, I'm just <laughs> no, but also what I read recently was that that Wednesday was also the home opener of the Cardinals. Oh, yeah. yeah. And if you guys would have lost and had to play at home, you'd have been competing against a yeah, home opener of the Cardinals. happened too well. And that... I, that's a big deal back then. Oh yeah, uh, and yeah. so it's interesting how it all kind of falls together. Falls in line, and uh, and so yeah, win when you can. Or, yeah, you or got even you. No so matter like, what. okay, yeah. so Abe's like, let's let's bring it home, win in front of our fans, and then he's just referencing the sickness. Yeah, I didn't know there was a such thing as the flu before COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Well, almost about the same, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, well, there's no flu west of what is that? TT, yeah, <laughs> wherever the hell you're at. Right. Yeah. So, so my my question, I, I want to ask one more question about the player coach role. Yeah. Um, did you? I mean, obviously, you had assistants that probably you know had larger roles than maybe a typical assistant, given the fact that there's minutes in which you're on the field. Um, how, was was what was the relationship though between the players? Because usually there's a locker room and there's a coach, but you are both the locker room and the coach. Right? How did you how did you it was, manage that chemistry? It was tough chemistry? on me because number one, like when you play in and you make mistakes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of tough to when somebody else makes a mistake getting crap. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that was one thing that I had to kind of monitor and. At one point, I know uh, Timmy Walters came to me and says, you know, you're playing like – because I was on the power play, defensive power play, and every other shift. And I had a deal with Chris Kenny where – because back then you can, you know, change as quick as you can, mm-hmm. right? As long as you don't and get if, caught. And if it's late, yeah, as long as you don't get caught, you got to use the doors. Yep. And, yep. and I would <clears throat> take an offense 
thing, come off the first door, Chris would run defensively, and he was one of the best defenders. You know, I mean, he just shut down people. And then he would run off, and I'd run on. So, you know, you, you got to utilize that. But I had to monitor how much I was really playing. And Tim says, hey, you're kind of playing too much because – and I kind of watched the tape and said, yeah, I'm out there too much. But So I tried not to do that. Uh, I don't think a lot of players gave me a lot of trouble. Maybe they should have at certain times. Did but, you tell uh, Timmy to stop getting penalties so you didn't have to pay on yeah, the on penalty kill the whole time? Yeah, well, that's why I got rid of his ass. <laughs> no. But, you know, that, that was something that I had to deal with. And I, I kind of learned early on. I didn't want to – so I, I'd take myself out of a lot of stuff, but I'd also stay after practice and do a lot of stuff. Just this, you know, because I was older, yeah. Right? Well, especially lead. later in my yeah. my years, uh, I just try and do more shooting with Brett Phillips at that time and with the old steamers or whatever than 2004 or whatever. Uh, but it was just something I had to try and deal with. I tried to monitor as much as I could, and as I got older, I kind of figured it out too. Well, let me ask you. Um, you just kind of alluded to it, kind of that post game preparation or or additional. <clears throat> training, practice, et cetera, stay sharp. At some point, did you start to be really cognizant of your body, the physical beating, you know, because you're, you're adding a lot of years in a sport, indoor in particular, that's fast. It's high pace. You know, there's a lot of hitting. There's a lot of, like, exertion. What, what did you do, you know, physically to be able to maintain the longevity? Was there a protocol outside of what you were doing with the team? Were you really diligent with yoga or, or whatever to stay, to, to stay physically relevant? Well, I, I started lifting at a pretty early age. And now not all soccer players like to lift. Mm-hmm. And they don't need to. I mean, a lot of European players and all that don't lift. As Petra's over there shaking yeah. his head, hell no. <laughs> um, so, so I never forced my players. I never forced my players to lift. Uh, but I had a friend of mine that owned a gym, uh, and I, he let all our players come. And like Steve Kuhn, Scotty McDonald, all these guys. Mm-hmm. Would, we, I mean, actually, after we won the championship, I'm in there with Charlie Wallace, who owned the gym. Here comes Scotty and Steve Kuhn. I mean, just lifting. We just won the championship, but we're over, and they just it was part of their habit. So I used to always lift there. They used to always lift. Chris Kenny always lifts. I mean, that guy was nuts. We called him the rock for a reason. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I never pushed it on players because I think every player is different, and it's nothing that I force anybody to do. Yeah. Uh, but I think that was a big part of my career. Um, and the other part of my career, I mean, just because at the very late – when I ended up retiring, um, you what know, was that last week? Yeah, so about two weeks ago. So I, I, so I broke all my toes, other than my big toes, right? Oh, geez, so, yeah. so sometimes I used to have to get shots in that toe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, to numb it for the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I, I had a, my ACL done in '94, the year we won it. So I was out early, Detroit. I had an ACL. I came back in February, but my father passed away then. And we ended up winning it. So that was pretty cool. I wish he would have been there. Yeah, that is cool. But so I had, so after that, my left ACL, they took it from my patella, was stronger than my right knee for wow. the whole rest of my career, except when I hurt my MCL on that same leg. And it was the last years, 07, 05, 06, basically. With the illusion? 
No. No. No, it was with the Steamers. It wasn't with them. And we're we're going against Milwaukee in the semifinal. But the All-Star game there, I mean, I I heard it, my MCL. So I used to have to shoot my MCL, the inside of the the knee. And supposedly, so I did this for like a month and a half before playoffs. And I wouldn't do it in practice, so it was kind of bothering me. But anyway, that shot disintegrated my ACL and that knee. So by playoff time, I was playing on no ACL. And the ACL helps you stop. And yeah, it does go. a lot of things. <laughs> right. keeps that knee in place. So, it's kind of important. Yeah. yeah, so at the end of the year, I'm like, I'm done. I mean, I'm not going to go through the surgery. I'm or 40, the rehab. I'm, I, was, I was 42. The rehab was more that I was like, I don't need to do that. Yeah. I'm not yeah. going to play anymore. Uh, so I just kind of retired. Talk about this. Um, JB will will get into post soccer and your business uh, uh, out there in Wing Haven. <laughs> um, all the financials in there. Uh, uh, <laughs> my question is: Is this because it, it's completely business related? So, um, kind of the funny joke that we got is soccer players lifting and whatnot. And you you started lifting from an early age to the point where you're lifting a lot of weight. You're bench pressing upwards of almost 400 pounds, which is really unheard of, especially then and maybe even now in soccer, per se. The science um, from the 80s to where you're at now that you probably personally apply to your business with the low reps, explosion, plyometrics. Um, can you talk a little bit about, I mean, I, I think specifically you, your longevity in the game you did something right. So, uh, you know, just reading about you, knowing you, because being growing up in the city, playing the same sport, I think you attribute a lot of your success and your longevity to weight training. Um, what are you doing now with the youth athlete, um, the teams that come in, specifically on the soccer side? Are you doing heavy weights? Are you trying to lift for, for strength? Or are you trying to do more explosion, plyometric type, where the science is going? Yeah, I mean, well, it depends on the age. Um, I do a lot of the, I'd say, 9 to 17, 16, you know. Um, the younger ones, you just stay lightweight. You don't you don't go heavyweight. Uh, I do a lot of plyometric work. I do a lot of light dumbbell work, upper and lower. Uh, I do a lot of speed and agility. Um, but And we do a lot of shooting and dribbling. But in my gym, it's, it's only 6,500 square feet, mm-hmm. basically. Uh, so I'm limited on what I can do. Uh, but I think weight training, I mean, everybody's weight training now. It's not like when I was 10 years old, 11 years old. Yeah. And and you got to stay lightweight. You don't go heavy weight when they're young. It's more about getting them used to the weight. Form, doing it correctly so you don't Correct. I mean, I, I still, I walk around my gym and, you know, there's members that have been there forever and I try and tell them you're totally doing this wrong. Mm-hmm. And I go, oh, okay, hey, great. The next day they're doing it the exact same way. Hard question. You know, you living your life, having your career, doing what you're – you're probably the most educated person in this room on, on, on that side of the business and the science. Um, it's hard to ask this question, and, and maybe you're not going to answer it with any profound knowledge. Knowing what you know now, would you have done different weight training as a youngster – through your career on how you operate with today's athlete? For me? Yep. Um, probably not, but I didn't expect to go to 42. My, my issue is <laughs> why I'm in my state right now is because I have that idiot thing. I want to lift a lot of weight, mm-hmm. and I, I bench press a lot, blah, blah, blah. But I tore my left rotator cuff um, 
bench pressing, but it didn't tear all the way. So I kind of rehabbed it on my own and I tore my short bicep tendon in that left arm. And then just eight months ago, I did my right shoulder uh, rotator and I knew it when I was bench pressing. And I, I said, I wasn't going to go back and go heavy after, cause I never thought I was going to bench press again when I tore my left one, mm-hmm. right? Six months later, I'm bench pressing. I'm saying, this is great. So I obviously just kept going heavy um, and got up and then I, went down and crunched my right and I said I did this one better than my left <laughs> right so and and it's it's been bothering me since and I tore my other bicep tendon my long head instead of my short head so now I'm struggling big time but I got an MRI and I knew exactly what the MRI was going to say and it said exactly what I knew I tore my bicep tendon long head and my rotator's to- totally torn so it's worse than my left so I need surgery but I'm slowly trying to rehab it on my own because I don't know when I'm going to do that. So I see a wedding ring. Yeah. You're still married, yeah? Oh, yeah. As far <laughs> as I know. Maybe not after this, but I don't know. Well, <laughs> I'm just what curious. Talk I, about? I, I, I had double hernia surgery. Um, I've had a couple different uh, shoulder repair because of soccer. Yeah. You are still doing what you're doing and tearing both rotator cuffs. How much does your wife give you shit oh about my god that. it's crazy well i did two hernias too while i played there you go and i and i had another thing going do you on get even. sympathy from her or is it more just no like, no 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 dumb. there's no okay. way you're still no, dumb all right no, this yeah, makes I'm sense and she just likes giving me <laughs> well, crap yeah good okay hey, well let, let's let, let's shift away from the er hour here <laughs> um Let's talk about something that's a lot less stressful on your body, and that is uh, your take, your opinion on the bright, new, shiny soccer toy in town, uh, City SC. Uh, Obviously, you're following it. You've been to games. Um, Just out of the gate, um, you know, what's your impression of the team, of the org, of the stadium? You know, talk about your experience so far here in the inaugural season and what you're seeing on the field as well as the facility itself. Well, I've been to one game, um, and I knew the the ownership group we all know is great. I and mean, you knew they were going to do it first class. And we went and we had, like, uh, not the greatest seats, we thought, but every seat, I swear, is good there. Yeah. And, and we were behind the goal, um, but it was a perfect location. Um, and... There's just not a bad seat. So the stadium's something to see, number one, whether you like soccer or not. Uh, and they're winning. So I don't care who's on the field. If they're winning, St. Louis is going to be there, and everybody's going to be there. Right. Right. Yeah, well uh, said. I just think, like, I don't know all the players because I don't read right. up and do all that. Uh, I wish when we went there, like, like we used to have things that <clears> – I guess it's different indoor, but, I mean, just – Backgrounds of the players are figured Don Draghi's out. I guess the same now, thing. Yeah. I guess now you can freaking you know go online and stuff. But yep. I'm just not one to, to do all that. So I didn't know all the players. I can pick out my players I like. I mean, I like a lot of them. Well, you mentioned in the break. Uh, what number did you like? Number ten. Number ten. Lubin. He's really. Yeah. Good. What do you, what do you I like Klaus too. I mean, Klaus. I'd love to see that guy indoor. Holy cow. Whoa, oh my God. he'd be a brute, wouldn't he? <laughs> well, talk, talk about Leuven, though, because, I mean, you you said him specifically. He does everything well. I mean, there there's I, I watched the game against him. Was it Austin, Texas, I think? And he did, every time he touched a ball, he was dangerous, whether he was 
in the offensive third or midfield. He, nobody could take the ball from him. His passing and then his shot, the one goal was The great. goal was first class. That was great. That um, outside of the foot curler. Into the yeah. Side, that was wonderful. So speed. so being being literally a legacy name here in the St. Louis soccer mar- you know, scene, history, et cetera, watching this team, um, you know, knowing – you know, you, we, we were talking about SLU earlier, and, like, it was a no-brainer. This is where I'm going to go, because that's where all my idols went. Uh, you, you know, you played at CBC under Terry Mickler and all those, you know, the successes that that program's had. Everything that you've touched in, in the soccer marketplace and everything that you've followed, you know, really, we are, we are a bright star in the national landscape when it comes to soccer historically. When you look at this team and you look at, you know, MLS comes to town, here we are sitting, you know, first place with how many, how many games left? Uh, we have nine. 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 I think nine. some teams have ten, but we have nine. Um, it, it, do, do, you, do you see this whole thing as uh, luck? Do you see it as part of uh, maybe a little bit of, like, uh, soccer expectation within our market? Do you see it as a, as uh, a, a huge benefit to our to the soccer landscape here? Is it going to bring more people into the game? You know, well, just, I think just all from the a above, big picture. I, mean, I think with the ownership, they went out and wanted to get a winner, obviously. I think I don't know what payroll is and all that kind of stuff and how that works, but they wanted to win, obviously, I think. Uh, everybody's, I think, should be surprised how many games were winning and were in the thick of everything. I, about mm. six months ago, I was in Vegas. I took them to win it, so I'm, I'm hoping they win. <laughs> I did too. Yeah. 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 No, 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 I'm with you. I, it was fifty I, to one. Fifty. Yeah. I, I think I got uh, plus ten thousand on twenty bucks. Really? Yeah. We uh we, we popped up. Yeah, like, but you bet on FC St. Louis. That that's the, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. There, there's a disclaimer. I'm that. pretty sure <laughs> it was the other acronyms. But I mean, I I just think they did everything right. And, and to me, I mean, everybody wants to say. I mean, I'd love to see some St. Louis players in in, in the farm club. Obviously, they're working on that, and a little more St. Louis people. But they need to win. I think right in the beginning, not win everything, but yeah. I mean, be competitive and be one of the top five teams, six teams, seven teams, and they're doing that. So, yeah, I was kind of worried three, five years from now if we don't win, like what's the fan base going to be? So they're obviously thought about all that, and they're they're doing a good job, a great job. Well, let me – I'm going to ask you about another soccer landscape here, you know, not here specifically in our backyard, but really more nationally, and that is kind of our, our national team in particular. Um you know, we we you you saw what happened in the World Cup in Qatar. You saw where we where we landed. You just watched the women bounce out. You know, after the first round. Um, looking at the pedigree of players, and I, I'm just looking for your opinion because you know a lot of names that have played the game for a long, long time. And now you're I have to assume that you're probably following some of the current names at a minimum. Um, are you excited about the direction of? the national team in particular, the quality of the players. And and then part B of that is we're going to get into maybe your, your opinion on pathway, you know, the development. Um, what's, what's your take on U.S. soccer today? Um, and are we going in the right direction? Well, I think the, the men's team, I mean, I, all right, first off, the women's team, obviously, I just, <clears throat> I don't know, I watch it, but I don't watch it that much. Uh, I think other countries are catching up a little bit. Quickly, uh, yeah. I don't know how they can feed the U.S. national team better. I mean, they, they got a lot of young players, but 
it, it's just not happening. I think there's a lot of other teams that are really picked it up over the last four years. Uh, the men's team, after they didn't qualify and now they're qualifying, you just kind of wait and got to wait a little longer. I mean, I know they're they're on the up and they got a lot of good young players. Uh, how they do that, I don't follow that that much. Yeah. Uh, I just like to watch the games and stuff. Uh, there's a lot of players I do like and don't like or whatever, but it's just one of those things. I mean, they, they play every four years. They, they play friendlies, how much you put in the friendlies. Uh, other countries you can kind of follow and see how well they're doing, if they're going to give us trouble. Um, but I think the men's are going to be going pretty well here lately. Women's I got a little issue with just because I think other countries are, are just getting better. Yeah. Go ahead, Zach. No, I, I think that um, <clears throat> I like that analysis. I like your, your kind of – take on it which is just i just enjoy the game yeah i and mean I, I don't get totally involved in how they do it and what they do but it's fun to watch <laughs> yeah. well, you get you, frustrated but i mean but sure. then on good things it was great i mean i love seeing great plays and I, I can pick out a guy that i think i like or whatever but i just don't get too involved anymore in that so my my thoughts on that are it leads me to Tim Ream, Josh Sargent, yeah. uh, guys that... Those are great people that I'd love to see more of. Oh, my gosh. Obviously. You know, Josh is crushing it in the, in the well, championship yeah, right just, now with Norwich. He's got a ankle, pretty bad ankle injury right what, now. What, what yeah. is the prognosis on that? Does anybody know? I don't know. Because every, everything we need is yeah. serious ankle injury. He didn't play today. But. No, I mean, they're, they're categorizing it uh, without detail as serious ankle injury. Yeah. I just, it just, it's fun to watch. I mean, he was coming out of the gates doing really well this season. Tim is continuing to be, you know, captaining Fulham and doing well. They won in PKs uh, today versus Tottenham. But uh, in the F, I don't even know what <clears throat> cup it was, but some sort of semifinals game. Well, it's a cup that Tottenham's not going to be playing in yeah, anymore. Yeah, exactly. So my question to you, Daryl, is. Is it exciting to you to kind of see some of these players that grew up in this area oh, yeah. go overseas and, and have success and then be able to come back and play for the national oh, yeah. team? I mean, what's that, what does that do for Tim you? Tim Ream, my nephew, played with him at Dominic, I think. Wow. Um, so, I mean, that was pretty cool. That is cool. Uh, that's a great – I mean, when has that ever really happened here? Yeah. I mean, um, so, yeah, I mean, the more local players – and we'll just look at – the MLS team here. Yep. Can we get some local players to go from high school, right college to here? Are they going to be looking at that and happen that happen? You know what I mean? That would be something great. So, well, I what, what are we up to? We've uh, Miggy, Caden, and Tyson. Tyson. So it's three. You know, Johnny so three Klein. possible. Johnny Klein. Johnny Klein. Yeah. And yeah, AJ. Drafted. Yeah. I seen him play earlier well, in the Creed, year. The goalies from Parkway. You you can talk about him in that light. Yarrow's yeah. from Illinois. Uh, so we're talking two, three years for a lot of these players, which is fine. I mean, yeah. build it up. I think. Well, well, that you know, that actually struck a kind of a question um, because you you remember your playing days. You know, the uh, the 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 star power that a Don Ebert or Carl Rose had. You know, and even yourself. You know, within the St. Louis community and the fan base, how big of a star will the first? potential St. Louis born, bred, trained player that lands on City. How big how big do you think that would be big. 
I mean, like, I'm, I hope they're negotiating with some of these guys. You know what I mean? To bring them back here. Yeah. Uh, MLS, whoever's in the MLS from St. Louis, get them back here or try to. Well, you know what I mean? Well, don't they have uh, Josh? Sergeant, isn't they got the first rights of refusal? My analogy, I always like to use, and and the the ship has sailed. But I mean, what if Taylor is in his heydays, rookie a year, uh, all star MVP, leading the league in scoring? What happens if he's playing on market and he's from St. Louis? That's big time. I mean, that's when it's going to be the top's going to blow off of it, I think. Well, I agree. I mean, it's. It, it's it's one of those things that I think you know all of us that are from here that you know obviously you you've spent your whole life in the game. Um, it, it's it's like you watch this team, <clears throat> excuse me, and we and we think about the what ifs you know so early in the process I and mean, we're year one yeah you know and we are a legitimate threat to potentially run far into the playoffs right but in your lifetime because. You've seen a lot of championships here in all of the St. Louis sports. Um, how big would it be if we pulled a, pull off year one MLS win the cup? Oh, I think. <laughs> I don't know. You were talking about a parade downtown. I mean, <laughs> holy crap! Look at the hooligans and all those. I mean, it's it is it's nonstop. I mean, I went to that one game and I was behind them. Oh yeah, I couldn't hear nothing. Oh, you, you know what the, I mean? You were on the north <laughs> end the, up yeah, there. Yeah, nice. I was up there, and like these guys never stop. I mean, it was. You are kind of in a unique position in that you are the only, up until right now, as far as I know, the 95 Ambush is the only professional soccer team in St. Louis to actually win a national title. Is that correct? Yeah. I think so, yeah. Which is insane. <laughs> well, Petch just verified that is, in fact, true. Yeah, I was saying that so he could hear it. Um, <clears throat> he told us that there's been one one, one win with a particular finger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that, but that, to me, is he insane. He did that behind my back. He did. He did. He did. <laughs> well, he didn't direct it at you, though. It was just it was <laughs> at the gods, the soccer gods. But I, That's I what I mean. The- we screwed up 83-84 <laughs> with Baltimore. But. I, yeah, th- those are the kinds of things I think about because you have so much talent, so much history in this city for soccer, and yet the one championship, really on the pro side, is is with you as the coach and 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 player for the ambush. Um, what does it take realistically for a team at this stage of the game to really get through it? I mean, you had rock stars on those those eighty three, eighty four steamers teams. You had amazing players all through what is it that that sets a championship team apart those guys tim walters those guys what what set them apart well i I think it was roles i mean it's not that we're great 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 players it's like we had a midfield that would number one cover me and hundelt overlapping that would come back at smart times because we want to get in the offense if they normal midfielders don't do that then we're then we look bad as far as trying to go forward. Yep. So they would be smart in, in knowing when me and Hundelt were going to go forward. Chris Kenny, Steve Trichute, these guys would stay back. They know their roles. Um, so that helped out big time. We had Maurer. We had big guys, Eichmann, up top that could hold the ball. We could have our midfielders run off where we could just stay back. And we had good set pieces. I mean, our set pieces is what really helped us from – the 94 to 97 because then they changed the rule um so we would all five six guys we knew what we were going to do depending on what the defense showed us so we scored 
shit, I think 60% of our goals on set pieces. Well, that's City right now. I mean, yeah, they score hey, on their set most pieces. Of their set like pe- most of their goals are set pieces, other yeah. than the last two games, field of play goals were kind of far in you know, between. Right. So. So, I mean, you know, and then, like I said, rules change, so they kind of change rules a lot of times. I'm <laughs> you seem a little disgruntled about that. Yeah, I'm a little pissed off. Is there anybody we can write to? to? No, they're all gone. I mean, they're not in the <laughs> league anymore, so it doesn't matter. We'll, we'll chase them down. Yeah. I guarantee we can chase them down. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, you know, as far as a championship team, I mean, you got to look at the team, and you got to – it's a team. That's what it is. Yeah. I mean, and this so happened it worked out. And a really year. good coach, yeah. And Cleveland <laughs> lost that year. Right, really good player, coach. Yes, the Pete Rose comparison. How often do you get that? What do you say? Pete Rose comparisons. Anything other than gambling part? <laughs> no, I think too. That's who I get. You I rush, think rush out of the box Pete like Rose, that. Pete Rose, Jackie no, Moon. No, no, no. Uh, no. Dude, that's hey, the Jackie best movie Moon. ever. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Daryl, I want to thank you, man. It's um, it's been a pleasure, man. Oh, this is fun, man. I I liked it. Uh, we, Let's just know. keep going. Come on. I mean, Patch is here. Give him Mike. We can we can be, well, you want to talk about Phoenix now or later? Oh, no. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> okay, what's the, it's a whole what's other segment. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll, we'll, we are definitely going to stay in touch. You know, because, you know, we I, I, we fully expect, you know, we've been talking to Patch about uh, a lot of these stories. We, we need to bring these stories up because there's a lot of people that want to hear them. Yeah, so no, when funny. we do yeah. that, we'd love to have you come join us and... Uh, Kind of push the envelope a little bit. Be a uh, NC seventeen public ticketed show. <laughs> so, yeah. No recording allowed. Also, uh, <laughs> yeah. also plug your business. Where, where you're at, what you're doing. I yeah, started Duran Fitness. You. Uh, you know, you just go to the website DuranFitness.com. But I just, I, it's a normal gym, so people come in, work out. I train any age people, so I'm always there. Uh, we start at five a.m. I'm training people and. I train teams a lot, um, mainly in the winter. I got like two, three teams in the summer. Nice. But, uh, you know, I'm busy all the time. So anything there, don't ever open up a gym because you never have any time. <laughs> I'm just saying. My wife will back me on that. Yeah. Well, thank you, fun. man. This has, right. been a, this has been a blast. So um, thank you. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll keep in touch. and uh, I appreciate it, guys. I go, really do. Go from there. Fun. Patch, thank you for hosting as always. He's the man. <laughs> yes, he is. We, uh, Zach and J-Rod. Uh, gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. <clears throat> you guys, uh, I'm good, you guys man. have fun this today? Is, this is great. Yeah. All right. Well, now one of the two posters that were on your childhood wall right. has been checked off. <laughs> That's right. The other know. one's not likely to happen. No. Mm, well, if you can pull that one off, that'd be, <laughs> that'd be really impressive. Yep. Is Harry Potter real? Could, do you think we can get him? <laughs> Mine is uh, Eddie from Iron Maiden. <laughs> Guys, this has been a blast. Uh, thank you, Pinnacle. Thank you, Crescent. Thank you, Axis PT. Uh, we're going to be back with another episode here shortly, but uh, send it to a friend because we need more followers so I can talk a lot of smack to those Ugh, Kansas, Kansas City, City. Blah, turds. All right, we're out of here. Catch you next time.